Lose the Cape Podcast, Episode 26. Welcome to the Lose the Cape Podcast, where we get real with busy moms and talk about how they survive their daily juggle. If you are a busy mom who believes in the idea of moms helping moms with tips, tools, and resources to survive, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to episode 26 of our podcast, our Lose the Cape podcast. There's just not enough time in the day. I'm Alexa Bigwarf, your host of the show. And today's episode is probably the most fun episode I've done yet. Um, I interview Sarah Husseini, who is a freelance writer and blogger, and she is hilarious. We had so much fun doing this interview, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Um, she is pretty much holds nothing back um, and is just, I mean, we just had such a great time. I felt like we'd known each other for years as we were doing this interview. So I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, what's going on in the world today? Let's see. I am actually recording. I doubled up recording today, so it's still July um, 24th, and I'm trying to catch up because the good news is, even though it's taken us almost two years to get to 26 episodes, we now have enough interviews in our queue that we can go to every week. So if you love our podcast, you're going to get a new episode each Monday, um, assuming I can keep up with it. Like I always remind people, this is Lose the Cape. So, you know, don't set the bar too high for me, please. <laughs> anyway, it's getting near to the end of summer. Um, at least by the time you listen to this, my kids will only have about two weeks left of the summer before they go back to school. So hopefully I'll be able to get my stuff all organized and better together um, shortly as we go into August. So I want to, speaking of August, I want to talk to you about something that I've been doing um, as I am a writer, blogger, published author, and a micro publisher. I hosted a huge virtual summit for writers and bloggers this summer. You all may have been a part of that, the Career Beyond Your Blog Summit. And um, it went really well. And I was so excited from all the information that I gathered that I decided to launch a course. So the course is called the Writer Biz Workshop. And it's designed to be a 12-week um, kind of like group coaching or mentoring program. But um, while some people want that hand-holding and... Um, week-by-week uh, week accountability. I'm finding that a lot of people want self-paced, so I'm offering it in both ways. You can go in and just kind of attack it as you want, or you can um, be part of our weekly live sessions and Q&A. But we're covering all kinds of topics on how to become a um, a better businesswoman as a person who's a freelance writer or author or blogger making money from any of those and all of those. Um, I use multiple streams of income, freelance writing, blogging, and writing books. So there's no reason other people can't do it too, but you don't have to, of course. Anyway, we're launching that in August. You can find out about it on my Teachable Courses site, which is write-publish-sell.teachable.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes. And um, anyway, it's going to be great. And my whole goal is to help moms who are like me who left the workforce and now have been out of it for a few years and have decided that we don't really want to go back to work for somebody else. So it's all about building a business that you can sustain and actually contribute to your family and 
um, contribute to yourself as doing something other than just being mom, if that's something that you're looking for. So be sure to check that out. Again, write-publish-sell.teachable.com. All right, so on to Sarah. Y'all are going to love her. I just know it. She's so much fun. And um, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or both. And we'd love a review if you could do that for us too. Thanks so much and have a great day. Well, welcome <laughs> to another episode of our Lose the Cape podcast and um, TV. And I want to welcome you to Sarah Hosseini, who's a writer and a um, and she describes herself as someone with a tendency to tell the absolute and sometimes hilarious and uncomfortable truth, which is always fun. Uh, she's been featured in Cosmopolitan, Good Housekeeping, Red Book, Huffington Post. So she's like the real deal, y'all. And <laughs> she likes to write about sex and swearing, which is always fun. And those pretty much go crazy because they always do. Um and she loves the F word, which I do too, but I have not allowed myself to go there on my site. So if you feel like saying it, we're not going to ban you from it. But <laughs> I was going to ask you if how we were handling profanity, if I had to bleep my mouth out. Profanity is okay. I don't have a problem with it. I curse like a sailor. Um, but it's just <laughs> one of those things that I have um, not done on the blog, but I don't have a problem with it. So Okay. We'll try to curb it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, okay, so we're going to talk about her book that she's writing about millennial motherhood and a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, and I will be including the link to some of her posts, including one about hemorrhoids while pregnant, which uh, raise your hand if you can identify with that. Yes, exactly. And um, uh, when I definitely want to talk about is the night she gave her husband a free pass. So that ought to be interesting. Um, okay. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. Thank you so much for having me. Is there anything else you would like to add to your intro that I may have left out? What, like I, uh, how many kids? <laughs> you got it pretty good. You nailed um, just by everything I've been up to recently. I have two kids, um, two girls, and they are, well, I just had a birthday party yesterday for my little one. So she's five and the older one's six. They're pretty, pretty close in age. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fun. But you do it all and get them all out at the same time, right? <laughs> I feel like that's going to happen in the baby stage. It was really horrific. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. That was easier. It's like a sweet spot, actually. They wear the same size clothes. They like the same things. It's kind of like, here's your reward for what we put you through when we were babies. That's awesome. So I'm finding that, too. Now that mine are nine, six, and four, like, it just, it feels so different than even a year ago. Yeah. Even a year ago, like, I mean, yeah, this is a great time where at least two of them are semi-independent and the third one, well, she's Agreed. just the one. <laughs> The minute they can go and get their own cereal out of the cupboard, I'm like, okay, we've done it. We've made it. <laughs> exactly. This is awesome. So now, yeah. is uh, was freelance writing something you did before motherhood, or is this something that came uh, after? Uh, freelance writing, well, I guess writing, sorry, writing has always been a part of my life. I think when I was even in elementary school, I was extremely um, bookish, totally totally a nerd as a kid. Um, I was one of those kids that wanted to like rattle off facts to whatever adult, you know, <laughs> was willing to listen to me. I was like that. Um, so 
I've always loved reading dictionaries when I was kid. Like I'm telling you, okay. I, was short. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was I was reading like Emily Dickinson poetry a little before the tween years and like trying to dissect what she was saying and like knowing that it was like a little over my head, but it just like intrigued me. Anyway, um, I loved Sweet Valley High and the Babysitters oh, Club. Um, American Girls, they even had that, you know, when I was kind of reading. So anyway, I've always, I've always loved words, you know, from the time I was in grade school. But um, the, the kind of quick projection that happened after high school was, you know, I did very well in English all throughout those years. Math, not so much. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in college, I took some English classes, but I, I wanted to be a doctor. I had this thing that I, like, wanted to be a doctor. I don't know. Somehow that felt really important that I wanted to, like, do this. But the the only problem was I was failing all of my biology, chemistry, and physics classes. <laughs> so, That's generally a problem for pre-med students. <laughs> yeah, so about a year and a half in, I was like, you know what, maybe I should do this other thing that's like the writing and reading thing. So anyway, I did that, and then I got into um, TV right after I wanted to be a journalist after I got out of college. So that was my, that was my first kind of real... Uh, writing gig, you know, I was a producer for some local television stations, and I was right up what you do as a producer, and you kind of edit the video together, and you make it this whole show and experience for your viewers, and I thought, what better, you know, writing responsibility to have than to deliver the facts to the community, um, to really ethically go in and be a journalist. That felt really important and like responsible to do at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was great. I love I love writing, but um, and I love the adrenaline rush, but it wears on you after a while, I think, is what kind of happened to me. So TV was really great for, for so many reasons. I learned a lot and grew a lot as a writer, um, especially with uh, just having that responsibility of getting actual facts and being truthful 100% of the time you're accountable to your viewers. So that was always something that I held, and that was something I learned at TV. But um, what I found out about myself uh, after motherhood was I'm a huge introvert, and <laughs> I didn't think I, I mean, like, I must, I had, I should have had a clue, right? Like, I loved reading as a kid. That's a solitary act. I should have known that I was, like, this huge introvert. Anyway, but I guess there wasn't, like, a label for it. Nobody was really talking about it until, right, right, I feel like, recently. the past few years, yeah, you know, uh -huh. people are like, it's cool to be an introvert. So, anyway, I started reading about it, and I was like, it was like reading about yourself and having a moment, like, that's, that's me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I like people, but I like them you know, very small doses. <laughs> and um, some people like a few hours, you know, alone. I like four days. So That's there was, me too. I'm yeah. there with you. There was that moment and I realized TV was very much a team effort every day. And you're always talking to people and always yeah. you see people all around you. It's very stimulating um, and draining. So Said, you know what, I'm going to give a blog a go for a little while because that was like the popular thing to do, I feel like, especially now and even five years ago. It was like, I'll do this for like some therapy, you know, self-therapy, like my little diary and an outlet just to like cultivate and really find my voice as a writer. Um, so I did that. I did a blog and then it started kind of taking off in a really weird way. Um, just. I started kind of submitting my work and people were, were liking it. Felt like, okay, here I am thinking the whole time I've been feeling this certain way about motherhood that seems unconventional, unpopular, um, sometimes too raw for people. And then here are these, these are these groups of people that are connecting. So that's kind of where it's morphed into now that 
or, you know, I can write about some, some offbeat parenting kind of topics or, you know, I don't want to say I'm always contrarian, like to be contrarian, but it kind of ends up that way. Um, yeah. And so that's where the, that's where the freelance writing has evolved to. Well, that's great. Um, and so uh, tell everybody the name of your blog so that they can, and how to find it. Yes, uh, the blog is currently called Misguided Mama, and it's M-I-S-S. -S. So try to do a cute play on words there. Misguidedmama.com. <laughs> um, but on Facebook and, you know, all that, you can follow me. Just find my name, Sarah Hosseini. You'll find me. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So, um you've got a five and six year old. Um, how yeah. is there just going into school this last yeah. year or so, right? Yeah. Were you, were you trying to work from home with them at home or did you have some help so that you could focus on writing? How'd you balance all of that? Uh, I think most of the time when you're a person that's either freelance or maybe working from home, you end up kind of working in blocks and chunks. That right. being you wake up early before they wake up. Um, depending on how long they're in the time that they're in school. And then you work when they're sleeping again at night. It sounds terrific. For me, it works. You know, for me, instead of doing that whole like chunk of eight hour block, mm -hmm. I really enjoy breaking it up like that because then I can be available for doctor's appointments if I have to run them to the pediatrician or we can do certain things during the day and go have lunch randomly. You know, it's like that works out well um it's not always great if you're um a writer and having or anybody actually probably experiences like a flow a productivity flow right. where you'll be like in the moment and then you just know you have to stop in the middle of it because your kids are done with preschool <laughs> so that that part has been challenging but i guess the so the biggest way i work is basically when they're sleeping when they're in school and it's been really good for them to go to school full time this year i just have to say that's a that's a big win in my book because it's six hours a day yeah, kind of you know, it's a game changer. I think that alone has really kind of contributed to how much I've been able to put out now. You know, in terms Absolutely. of writing. This has been the first year that I've had all three of mine in school for longer than three hours as well. And it just, it has made such a big difference in what I've been able to, um, to do. And it's a huge, huge difference in the way that I feel when they are home as well. Yeah. I miss <laughs> them now. Like, I, I don't think I miss, I'm just going to be honest. Like, when they were going to preschool and it was maybe three or four hours, I was like, oh my God, I just unloaded the dishwasher and now I'm going back around and turning around to come pick you up. Like, exactly. I don't think I accomplished anything other than maybe one task in that small amount of time. Um, but there's one good thing I would say about Georgia. They have free pre-K there. So your oh, kids go awesome. to school. Yeah, when they're, uh, I think, four, they can start and it's free and they go for six hours a day, like big girl school or big boy wow. school, either one. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah, we don't have that here. We have to, uh, well, uh, that's not exactly true. There is free preschool, but you have to qualify for it be, yeah. via either um, a learning disability or, um, you know, being far behind or an, a, a social economic reason. Yes, that's how it is in most places. I have to say Georgia seems to be a little bit ahead of the times in realizing that like that early education is kind of really important and that, you know, the kids you know, who, I, I mean, they make it fair for everybody. Let's just say that. It doesn't matter what income you are, you, you get free, free yeah. pay. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. I wish, I wish that was more universal. Me too. Um, so are you, are, are you then running a full-time business? I guess a full, a full, it's your real job. <laughs> I should say. I don't know how to phrase that. Yeah. I mean, 
I would say for a while it was definitely like um it was definitely more like part hobby like I said and it was I don't think um I never wrote a blog to kind of uh to make money off of it or to do advertisements because I always felt like there is no way in hell anyone is going to advertise on my site with these swear words with, um, you know, me poo-pooing certain things about parenthood. Like there is no way right. <laughs> want to work with me. So I kind of already like had that in my head that I just know that's not going to be the path for me to make money. Um, so now I've just been focused on um, selling the actual pieces of writing that I make and then, Getting enough out there to generate an income every month is basically how it goes. And there's, it's just like any kind of maybe other business. There's slow months, but some are super slow. Um, yeah. But for the most part, once there's kind of like a groove and a flow, and then your name kind of gets out there with writing, it's like other other people want you to write for them too, which is a really just kind of wonderful thing. Um, and I definitely did a lot of free free work at first, you know, putting my like, can you just publish my piece? You can have it for free. <laughs> But now I'm like, no, I'm not doing it for free. <laughs> this isn't my hobby anymore. This is my livelihood. So gotta pay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So you you get really personal in your writing, and I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about a piece or two that you've published, and um, and I'd also like yeah. to know like if there's been any kind of um repercussions, negative or positive, in your life because of yeah of that. Yeah, getting. I'll say this, I don't know any other way not to be personal and the the honest the honesty that comes through in the writing is to a fault almost, you know, because I wanna be so transparent to to readers because I feel like that's the stuff that really hits a nerve is when you're kind of like bleeding all this honesty out and um, you get a moment to connect with someone who's also going through um, either a similar or parallel experience. Um, and the one um, article that you brought up in the beginning there's a few of my articles that went viral and some people will say they don't know the recipe to a viral piece, but I think for me, I know why they went viral just because they hit, they struck such a nerve with so many people. Um, and the one that you're talking about is I wrote two different articles on the same subject, the free pass article where I wrote about having low sex drive, low libido and how, um, the only way I could figure a solution for my marriage was to give my husband a free pass. Um, so I wrote one article for Scary Mommy that went viral, and then I wrote it for um, a different version for Cosmo. And so what kind of, um, we can talk about the, the brief summary of the article is just basically me saying I'm a, a new mom, um, I'm tired, really tired. Like I don't think I've ever been more tired uh, studying for finals in college and having three jobs and internships in my life. Like motherhood right. really was this whole other kind of level of being tired that no one really told me about, or maybe yes. even if they did, I don't think I could have imagined the exhaustion that you feel. Um, it feels jet lag. I mean, you feel jet lag 24 seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was, I was tired. And then um, kind of another factor to me having kind of like this low sex drive from what I think, it was never hormonal, I'll say that, I had my hormones tested and they were all good, so. <laughs> um, I think it was definitely psychological. Um, so I was tired, I was touched out, you know, we talked about me being an introvert, I just, I had little babies that I was either holding or rocking or feeding, you know, interacting with kind of all day long. Uh, and that was hard and people could, you know, there was a lot of talk about negative repercussions, you know, heard that if I, 
if I had an experience like that with babies, I shouldn't be a mom, you know? And I, oh. I, yeah. And it's like, you know, they're great. Of course, these are great. Your babies are great, but you can get touched out. You can get touched out. Well, at least I did. Um, and then another part of it was my body changed so much after having babies. I felt like, I felt like I didn't even recognize what was happening to my skin. Um, particularly like, and I know women go through this in various ways, but for me, it was more of like my stomach. I couldn't understand like, why is this bulge here? And why is one up here? Uh, <laughs> C-section scar, you know, never healed right. Uh, I had this thing, I think where the muscles and the abs when you get pregnant, like tear apart and then never yes. come back together. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> um, so it just, I look like, a, I feel like I look like a mangled mess. And that can, and for me, it really messed with my, um, my self-esteem. So these are all kind of reasons that contributed. Um, and then, of course, you have, you know, my husband who I'm not going to say he has like some high libido. I mean, I feel like he has a normal libido, I don't, whatever that is. But and, um, it wasn't excessive. Let's just say that like, where I was creeped out. It was just like more than, you know. <laughs> more than you were prepared to deal with. <laughs> yeah, it was just more of like we're not on the same level right now. You know, after having his, I, I was way down as if like maybe every few months I would have like a twinge of maybe I'll do this but then <laughs> most of the time I just I was I was tired and I was busy with work I just cleaning cooking everyday stuff yeah. and I just I don't know like it just wasn't even on my radar I don't know any other way to say it but sex is just so not on my radar so I wrote about it and then I wrote about how it kind of came to a pinnacle point where it had been a couple of years postpartum and it's like my libido still didn't pick up and I was getting all these messages, you know, from the world telling me I should just do it anyway, you know, I'll get in the mood or schedule it. And I was like, <laughs> I would have vomit. I can't. <laughs> Having sex, you know, against my will doesn't sound great. You know? No, no. <laughs> deeper or find another solution that doesn't involve me having uh, non-consensual sex with my husband. Like, that, would be, that would be the way to go. Not good. No. <laughs> yeah. So I finally just said, hey, dude, take a free pass. Like, you want to go have that moment with someone? Just like, don't tell me about it. I think it would ease a lot of marriage. It would ease a lot of pressure off me. Like, I love you. I just want you to be happy. That's how much people would think, you know, that I'm giving the free pass because I didn't love him. I loved him. Still do. Um, it was just more of, I need to take the pressure off of this yeah. situation. Everything else is good. You know, we don't fight about anything. But the thing, if you really want it that bad, like, go ahead and get it. Like, I just can't. I've given up. So right about it was very cathartic. Uh, and also very negative because the commenters, you know, oh, I'm it was sure. rough. I can only imagine the things people said in response. The internet freaked out. Um, you know, I'm a bad wife. I'm a bad mother. I'm selfish. I'm not doing everything in my marriage that I could. Um, and so anyway, this is just goes to show that like when people read about you or read about one, one essay, they're judging you off of one essay. They don't really know kind of all the things that you had already dealt with for years and right. kind of how, how it killed me to offer a free pass. Like it wasn't something like, Oh, here's a free pass. Have fun. You know, it was like a very thought out, um, and scary moments because if he yeah. had taken it, you know, that would have been a whole other relationship. Anyway, so it's <laughs> negative in that aspect. But the other part about writing about it, which was great, is other women related a lot, mm -hmm. which I think is why it went viral. Um, 
so many women wrote me privately and said that they couldn't share the article on their social media page or whatever. They didn't want anybody to know that they were going through low libido and low sex drive. They felt shamed. They felt shamed by their husbands. Um, and even some husbands had the reverse, you know, the opposite, saying that their wives were pressuring them. And after children, they didn't feel um, like their libido or sex drive was up there anymore. And they felt shamed and they felt bad and that they were happy wow. that someone just wrote about it. Yeah. Wow. So. No, I totally, I totally, totally get it. Like the, the fatigue yeah. that you were describing. I mean, there's nothing like it. And by the end of the day, there's just, there's nothing left. There's there nothing was nothing left. left. I felt like my whole being was poured out and I had nothing left to give, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, I'm sure that you, um, you, you, I mean, I just know that that, that it makes me feel like a more normal person to know that there's other <laughs> people out there. Guilt starts piling up and am I a bad wife and yada, yeah. yada. So, yeah. um, how does your husband feel about you writing about things like this? Cause I'd love to write similar pieces, but my husband is super private and he would freak out. If I <laughs> yes. Uh, my husband, I mean, I think when the article got to the daily mail and the daily mail was calling from the UK, he was like, oh, what crap. in the F is going on? <laughs> you know, he's like, I got my own business to run here. You are writing about our sex life, you know, not to mention, when the article actually gets published, you have to imagine after all of this kind of like whirlwind of a tornado actually happened in our relationship. So then it kind of brings up all those old feelings. You have to like relive them a little bit and go through them again. Um, but I think in the end, we had come, we had come to some understandings, I guess. And the one, one with Nicole, uh, it's the most important thing is helping other people uh, challenge marriage norms. Um, challenge what they think about themselves and anything that they've assumed about themselves and what they think a marriage should be. You know, I feel like sometimes you hear some of your experiences and you side of that sometimes and feel like, okay, yes, I thought marriage was this and this and now it's not because my life has changed and maybe it's morphing into something else and that's okay. And you can define, you know, your life, your marriage, whatever, and parenthood, however you want. Yeah. So that's kind of like one realization that was big for us. Um, to realize the other part is that we have to keep everything separate <laughs> so, like his name um, pictures probably you know all that I'd like to protect him yeah a little bit you know at least from a livelihood standpoint and make sure that you know while there's a lot of people that will be interested in what I write in business with me if I write about these things with him, they will maybe be interested in him um, and doing business with him. So that's the thing that I have to protect. And then the, the re-going through it, it just feels like you're in therapy and you're like going back to your therapist this week being like, oh, I feel, you know, <laughs> this, this feeling come up again and you're like rediscussing it. Um, so that's kind of what it felt like. If you've ever been to a therapist, like a relationship therapist, it felt like yeah. you were revisiting your hurt right. Um, right. for that week and going through it. Um, yeah. And it's especially weird for him because it's like neither of us, like the Daily Mail calling about this, <laughs> really? You know, kind of like, okay, <laughs> this is unexpected. Yeah, no kidding. Well, did, um, he, um, did he know about the piece before you published it? He did. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's the other thing. Yeah. We've been very, yeah. I'm always very honest um, about some of the pieces. Yeah. 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 yeah that's good. Cause that could have been very, very bad if 
He did. No, no, no. He was like shocked him and saw his splattered or his face splattered on Google real quick, you know, for the 15 seconds of fame. Yeah, he would have been freaked probably. No, I told him. I have to. I mean, I'm that honest about a free pass. I tell him everything. <laughs> probably more than he wants to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and what was, what about the, uh, well, the hemorrhoids one? I'm sure that one was absolutely just. I can't imagine anyone being negative about that because that's something we all deal with. But nobody was negative about it. But it was, um, <laughs> it was a surreal. I mean, I wrote about the hemorrhoids because listen, I was so, uh, I don't know. I guess I did. I didn't know you could get hemorrhoids from pregnancy. I don't know how I didn't know. Honestly, <laughs> I was so young. I was like 24, not even thinking about babies. Both of my babies were unplanned. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea what was about to kind of happen to me. So anyway, when the hemorrhoids came, I was like, literally felt this pressure there on my ass. And I was like, um, what, what is that? What is, what is that? So then, then I like bend over and like, look. Right. See what was going on, and I was like, "Oh my god!" So I'm like in the bathroom, you know. Hey, can you Google hemorrhoids or something? Like I, and he's like, "I am not googling hemorrhoids. About the images I want to see." And I'm like, oh, okay, "Give me the phone." So I found out they are hemorrhoids, and then I just decided no one wrote about this. Like you know, women's issues and health issues they can get kind of stigmatized, shamed, not talked yeah. about. You know, and I thought, really, if I had been trying all these hemorrhoid creams for months and months and months, and those little butt bandits have not gone away yet, we need to find a treatment for this. Like, we actually, as women who have hemorrhoids, need to kind of, like, band together. Yeah. I'm not saying get, like, a, you know, nonprofit organization started or anything, but I am <laughs> saying we got to start talking about it to get some, like, treatment options. So I wrote about it in Cosmo, uh, which was mortifying. I mean, you're thinking, like, all your old ex you know, boyfriends from, from high school are going to be like, oh, good thing I broke up with her. She's got hemorrhoids, you know? <laughs> well, it's not the worst thing you could have, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I don't think so. But anyway, so it was mortifying. I mean, yeah, there was a definitely twinge of mortifying. It's mortifying, um, especially when it goes viral. And then the show, The Doctors, called me and said, we want to do a segment with you about hemorrhoids. <laughs> And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know what The Doctors was. I mean, I knew what it, the show The Doctors was a little bit, but I don't have cable. I have Netflix. I didn't fully grasp, I don't think, what that was. They're calling, we'll fly out. We'll get you a treatment. We're going to, they did it all on TV. My, oh my, my side of my butt was on TV, <laughs> you know, while I'm getting this thing put in my butt that's supposed to help with hemorrhoids. Um, but it was like, I'm doing this for all womankind. I'm doing That's this right. for all womankind. Um, and so it was a good, in the end, it was a truly bizarre experience to put your hemorrhoids out there into the world and then have it go viral on article, then, you know, be on TV with your hemorrhoids. But in the end, I was like, you know what? I just told a whole bunch of people about a great treatment option, you know, That's that works right. on hemorrhoid cream. and. And now I don't, I get to go to a chic doctor's office to get treated instead of like the drugstore where the, you know, little cute teenage boy is working the register and here I'm, here's my preparation aid and my oh tampons my and my pads. That <laughs> is so funny. So, um, the blonde doctor on the doctors, he's so cute. Is he as cute in real life as he is on the show? I'm telling you, girl, I was like, I was not nervous about TV. I worked in TV. I was fine. I was like, gonna go up on that stage and I was like I got this you know like sorry about my hemorrhoids what, what could be 
more, whatever. But then I had to like shake his hand before we went to like take the actual sentence. It was a live audience, the bright life. And my face was like quivering and I couldn't even oh stop like the muscles from twitching. I like felt my whole face twitching and I was like, I'm going to stop this right now. And then I was like, thank God I'm three feet down from him because otherwise I might actually, like I was sweating, my bra was sweating. I mean, it was like instantaneous. I was going to have a meltdown, but like somehow I kept it together. Like I looked at the second after and I was like, you could not tell how badly I was freaking out about meeting this guy. He's so tall, so dreamy. Oh, Ugh. he is dreamy. Oh my gosh, he's dreamy. <laughs> it, was, it was extra. Let's just yeah. say that. So now, do you, um, did you let your girls watch the segment? Do they know what's going on? <laughs> yes, we watched it live. I was super nervous about that, but they happened to be off from school or something. So they watched it. We, we somehow, like, uh, like I said, I don't have cable, so I had to like, rig uh an old antenna somehow like to my tv to get the basic cable channel so we did and my younger daughter was four at the time and she's looking at the tv and she's looking at me and she's like but you're here how are you there on oh, tv gosh. and you're here at the same time you know so there was that and then my older daughter um thought i was famous and then was uh telling her teacher i was on tv and so what <laughs> oh hemorrhoids okay <laughs> I went to the dentist's office with the kids and they're like, oh, we saw you on TV for that, for that show. I'm like, yeah, it's about hemorrhoids. You can say it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. saw your butt. Yeah. So my kids, <laughs> I think they think I'm famous. Like if they see things on TV, like Disney, <laughs> and they think that's famous, you know, so they're like equating the two. Um, but yeah, I'm not just, it was for hemorrhoids. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, so, um, uh, now that your girls are in school, I've, um, let, well, I guess it's summertime now, so all bets yeah. are off, right? But um, do you have a most a most difficult time of the day, morning, lunchtime, dinner, and how do you um, how do you manage it? How do you get through it? Well, I think whether it's summer or not, I always try to keep a work schedule. Um, and during the day, I don't have hired help, but I do come. Um, to my hometown in New York, and I do have a lot of family here that helps out, especially my mom. Shout out to my mom. Um, yeah, she helps mom. me a lot um, to keep the kids busy and active during the day. So I can still work during the day about six hours. Um, I'd say five o'clock is particularly rough. <laughs> five o'clock is the time that whether you're in school or in summertime, you are winding down for the day about to transition to this, you know, second shift as us mothers know so well. Um, and we are racing to bedtime. Uh, it is getting dinner washed, chopped, cooked, however you do dinner, it's all that. Um, and then hopefully you have something to even cook in your refrigerator, because right. if you don't, you're ordering out and you have to decide what everybody wants to eat, you know, and then kind of go through all that. And then um, homework, so while my kids are summer, they don't have homework, but I do, and make them do little assignments <laughs> to kind of keep up with their schoolwork a couple That's times good. a week. And dinner time is a good time. So there's that, and then it's like getting the bath uh, or kitty activities at that particular time, then bath time, and then story time. And for me, story time is always the moment I savor at night, but it's also one that goes by the wayside and is missed out if I'm particularly busy, which I'm not proud of, and it sucks. Um, because my husband travels a lot. Sometimes I'm just home with them and I'm trying to do it. And there's nights where like literally the to-do list is miles long and it's yeah. 8.30 PM and you're like, 
I, I just can't do kid, it. Your kid's <laughs> asking you for five minutes and five minutes seems like nothing, but five minutes is like literally the difference between me face planning into a pillow and getting all the stuff I need to do, uh, to get done for the rest of the day. This is modern parenthood. I'm telling yeah. you, there's so much going on. And yes, you can make choices. You can totally make choices to like slow it all down and have that big bedtime routine with your kids and make it easier. But it's, it's easier well, said than done. Yeah, it is. It's it's really difficult. We have so much more on our plates. I think. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe moms have always felt this way. Who knows? But that, that's a perfect segue into um, talking about your book, though. Yeah. Oh, my book. Um, so I have some chapters done. I'm super thrilled about that. The focus is on uh, modern motherhood and actually millennial motherhood. I'm technically a millennial mom, which makes I think my experience with motherhood a little bit of a unique one and it's undefined right now for the most part. We're all kind of trying to figure out what, what this motherhood thing means for us um, mm -hmm. at this point in time. There are some definite characteristics of millennial motherhood. Um, social media has pretty much uh, defined uh, how we handle motherhood in a lot of ways. Like instead of uh, grabbing the what to expect when you're expecting book, um, we're joining Facebook mommy groups mm -hmm. while we're pregnant and asking questions about our pregnancy and putting them out to the world and kind of asking for validation and advice that way, right. which I think is really different. Um, and I think some moms maybe in the past would ask their moms how to do things where now I don't even, I don't ask my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she has great 20 uh, year old advice, you know, that is old and integrated. Right, great. right. Good for her. I'm happy to be alive. I'm glad she did, was able to keep me alive with some of the advice that she gives to like 80s moms. Um, they don't but, need the yeah. kind of boosters to ride around on the floorboards of the car. Yes. <laughs> At least that's how it was when I was a little kid. Yes, yes, yes. This is what I'm saying. So, I've, or, you know, like the sleeping on the back versus the belly. Oh, right. you, you were on your belly. It's fine. You know. Right. Right. So anyway, we do that. And then the mini democracies that we kind of run in our homes are very unique to where uh, maybe our kids have it, or kids in the past haven't always been so encouraged to have these like big boisterous voices and speaking out and you know and then they're always given a choice which millennial moms get made fun of for kind of giving their kids all these choices in the world and you know empowering them and stuff right. it's made fun of but anyway so I, I have a group of essays that I kind of wrote that kind of just exemplifies modern millennial motherhood in the social media aspect in the oversharing aspect you know mm -hmm. taking videos and Instagramming and our kids and the privacy it's you know me ending up on TV about hemorrhoids. You know, these are all very unique things to motherhood that never would have happened, you know, kind of previously. And it's also a lot about um, millennial motherhood, I think, and this is probably the most important, just, um, yes, we've been called the selfie generation, but I think the good thing about it is self-love. Mm -hmm. And I found that when you're a mom, at least in the beginning or even now, it's very hard to carve that out for yourself, that self-love mm -hmm. when you're bombarded by certain images or certain kind of romantic. Uh, I remember just becoming a mom, I'll say this real quick, there was like always these pictures of moms romantically like breastfeeding their babies. Right. And I'm like, mine doesn't look like that. Like <laughs> my boob is bigger than my kid's head. 
And I have to somehow hoist it up, hold it up with two hands, and hold this baby at the same time. Maybe a boppy pillow works. Maybe it doesn't. Like, this is the most messy, chaotic thing. Like, how can these moms be in their cute little white nightgowns and the sex are lovingly looking at their baby? I'm, like, crying that I can't breastfeed my kid. This isn't working. So, anyway, yep. what I think is most important is uh, just defining motherhood in our own new way, uh, devoid of shame, devoid of judgment, and totally filled with a lot more self-love. Yeah, than I agree. Before us. I completely agree. Yeah, so I'm currently in the stage of looking for literary agents. Hopefully the project will be done within a year. That's awesome. Hopefully less than that. Very yeah. exciting. Well, congratulations Thanks. on that. And I know it'll Thank be you. very helpful. So uh, speaking of self-love, what yeah. is your favorite way to find me time in your busy day? Me time? I don't know if it happens every day. I think it happens every week, <laughs> more of like yeah. a cumulative effort. Um, yeah. I'll say this first, um, hair appointments, haircuts, uh, pedicures, even manicures, those are, to me, not me time, those are maintenance. So they're saying that uh, need to they kind of count. occur. Yeah, uh, going to the grocery store alone to shop for my family is not me time. Even if I'm doing it alone, it doesn't count. Right. Um, if I'm working alone on an article at a coffee shop, that is not me time. That's called work. Yes. So defining what me time would be something that is completely utterly enjoyable alone. And there's a few things that I like to do alone that I try to carve out. Um, one is like being with nature somehow, either hiking or even being taking a walk around my very manicured suburban kind of layout of a neighborhood. Um, just kind of make it, I prefer to go hiking, but uh, if I can't get away, I have to get outside in some way, shape, or form because that kind of re-energizes me and really I enjoy it. I really enjoy being outside and I don't enjoy camping, but I do enjoy being outside in some capacity with fresh air, sunshine, even clouds, I'm fine with that. So that's one thing I try to carve out a few days a week to just get outside for an hour and do. Um, and another me time thing, I love drinking. I like wine. <laughs> me, me too, girl. <laughs> so <Bring it> on. <laughs> I think that is um, up there for me time. It is in whether it's done with, you know, friends. That's considered me time, I think, as long as yeah. it's done with friends that your kids are, it's done in solitary and you're reading a book with a glass of wine or watching a movie, Netflix and chill. Um, I'm trying to think some other, I think those are the main things that, yeah, that I enjoy doing alone. Traveling too, I try to get away and do alone, but not a lot because that can't happen so much with kids, but when right. it does, it's pretty magical. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I agree. I completely agree. All right. Well, that has been a very fun um, 50 minutes. <laughs> wow. We, we talked for a long time. <laughs> I'm so long-winded. Right. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. So um, I, I, had a good time. I really appreciate you taking time out and enjoy your summer. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Stay sane, summer mom. <laughs> I will try. You too. More power to us. All right. Say. Good chat. Thanks. All right. Thanks for joining us for episode 26. You can find the show notes at losethecape.com forward slash podcast forward slash 26. And if you loved the show, please leave us a review on Stitchers or iTunes. Thanks. <laughs>